0: I don't know what kind of week y'all, I'm going to pretend I'm American, y'all have had. Um, some of you probably have probably had been on vacation, and it's been a really great week. This week has felt like one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. So we... The church has had no phone lines for about three weeks. If you tried to call us, it's not that we're ignoring you, it's that we just, you don't know. And then we got a phone line, praise you Jesus, on Friday, and then the internet went out. And so if I had to pick, I would pick internet over a phone line, but they didn't ask me that. And then the bulb just died on our projector just now. So, you know, here's what I know. It doesn't matter. People have church in caves, and we are far, far from that but it's just been a week. So I'm excited to be here and to worship with you and to just put all of that aside and remind myself that none of it matters. Being with the body of Christ matters, hearing God's word, worshiping together, that is what matters. And my really adorable video that Joel sent me, it's not happening today, but that doesn't matter. Because you go to connecting point page later this week and I'll post it for you and you can watch it there because it's really cute. Anywho, let's get back on track. I hope you guys enjoy me. I I just I'm just ha- taking a moment processing it with you. Hope that's all right. This summer we have been working our way through some of the parables, and I hope you've been enjoying it. I don't know if you have a favorite parable. Does anybody have a favorite? that like jumps out at you like, that is my favorite parable. If so, you should post it in the comments if you're watching online or let me know later. Maybe we're going to speak about it later this summer. Today I want to talk about one of the shortest parables in the Bible. And I had a really cute video that Joel sent me, so go online. We'll share it with you later this week. It has the little rascals in it. If you know what you know, okay, you might already know. Uh, So the reason I picked this parable, I would really like to say that it came like, Aw, oh, and a dove, and I felt the Lord. I think the reason I picked this parable to speak about is because of something I tried to learn during COVID. Did any of you try and learn a new skill over COVID? Anybody? Oh, I see Ingrid did. Oh, Susan did. Did? Oh, I see, yes, Carter did. Online, you can let Caitlin and Joel know. I decided that I wanted to learn how to make sourdough bread. I've dabbled in bread making. I can make, like, your standard bread. But I've always held it in such high regard that those that make sourdough are better than me. So, I decided I was going to try. And my brother-in-law started a Facebook group about making sourdough and I'm like, "Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to connect with my family online and I'm going to make sourdough bread." So, those of you that know this, you're going to that make bread and have no problems. You're going to think I'm ridiculous, but Bear with me. So you take flour and you take water and you put it in like a mason jar and you put an elastic band around it and then you hug it and you love it and you like kiss it and you wrap it up and you put it somewhere warm and you tuck it in at night and you give it all of your love and then it doubles and then you dump stuff out and you pour stuff in and you do things and then it keeps doubling and keeps doubling and keeps doubling except for if it's mine. So you do all of those things and you love it and you cuddle it and you like talk to it like it's your child and it dies and it dies. And your dream dies with it. And then they say to you, that's okay. You can make sourdough pancakes, even if it doesn't work. So you try that, and it's disgusting. (laughs) And you mourn the death of a dream. And then months later, you tell this funny story, because you do find it entertaining, to your friend. And she says, I have a sourdough starter. Would you like would you like it? And I say, yes, please. And now I make sourdough bread, everybody. Now I make sourdough bread. Thank you. Thank you. My family has been blessed every time. And I'm not lying. If you follow me on Facebook, you have probably seen pictures of my sourdough. I pull it out of the oven. And and the first time I made it in a pot, then I went and bought like the, the heavy cast iron. I put the lid and I pull it out. And I'm like, children, Come. Come. Come and see what your mother has. Proverbs 31, she rose early, she didn't, and she pulled it, and here, and let's eat it, and careful, the crust is tough. You might cut your finger open while trying to cut it, but look what I made. So I think perhaps my desire to talk about this parable was started with that journey. In case you haven't guessed, I'm gonna talk about the parable of the yeast. In case you didn't guess that. Uh, yeast in scripture is typically used with a negative connotation, but in Matthew and Luke, it gets a moment of redemption. And so we are going to read that this morning in Matthew 13. Since we don't have the uh, scripture on the screen, there are Bibles in front of you. You can also go to our YouVersion app. All the scriptures are in there. Uh, we really just wanted to give Pastor Ethan a break this morning. He looks, you know, he was back there and I was like, Let's just give him a break. He doesn't need to turn the slides. That's why we don't have it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Matthew 13, Then yeah, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough. Um, and that is the end of that parable. It is super sweet, super short, but just like the yeast itself. Powerful. Yeast can also be called leaven, and in fact, it's probably a more accurate description of what's happening here, the word leaven. So in uh, ancient Palestine, they weren't pulling out their jars of instant yeast or their little packages that you sprinkle on top of your bread maker and then you set it and forget it and then you take the bread out of your bread maker and there's holes because the paddles. That's not what was happening here. Yeast in ancient Palestine when this would have been taking place was a leftover piece of fermented dough which is very similar to what we make sourdough with. So they would take this piece or lump of yeast and they would either put it into a mixing trough and they would mix it with water and dissolve it and then add it to their flour mixture or they would just take the whole chunk of leaven and they would work it into the mixture. They weren't making bread like we were making bread today. Jesus is using the yeast or the leaven here to describe the kingdom of heaven. The terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are interchangeable. You're going to find both referenced in the New Testament. About 70 times you're going to find that. Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven, rather kingdom of God, Probably because Jewish people tried not to say the name of God. So out of respect for them, they would say kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. But they really mean the same thing. So when you're reading through the parables, they're not talking about different things. They're talking about the same thing. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So Jesus here isn't talking about overthrowing the government. He's talking about, Lord, your kingdom come in my heart. Your will be done in my heart. Come to heaven. Set up your kingdom. Establish your throne. But he's not talking about it from a government sense of view. We are talking about the rule and reign of Jesus in our hearts and our lives. When we pray and seek the kingdom of God, we're praying for him to reign in our lives. Uh, We are under his lordship and he is in control of our lives and that is the kingdom of God. It's not about rules and regulations. You can read all about that in the book of Romans. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of heaven that we're talking about today. I want to. I just want to make sure we are all on the same page about what he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to go back to the yeast now. So the woman takes a portion of yeast and she mixes it into 60 pounds of flour, which was it would feed about 100 people when it was all said and done. And this wasn't this isn't an equal portion recipe. You don't take 60 pounds of flour and then add in 60 pounds of yeast. You would find yourself in a lot of trouble because you would have a lot of dough rising. Uh, That's not what happens. It's a small portion, a small chunk of fermented dough that is mixed into and worked into the uh, flour and salt and oil. And it works from the inside out. So leaven is worked into the mixture, and it creates a permanent change. As it is incorporated into the ingredients, it permanently changes the makeup of that bread and creates Of that flower, it creates something completely new. And that's what the kingdom of God does for us as believers. As we invite Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, as we give him rule and reign, he takes that and he creates something completely new in us. The kingdom of God lives in us as believers. It is spiritual. It's our faith in Christ. And we need to take that and work it into our hearts and to our lives so that we can be changed every day and be made more like Christ. And it's a small amount of yeast that makes a permanent change. It's a small amount of faith every day that creates a permanent change in your life. I always think when I'm writing these messages, how do you work the kingdom of god into your life. What is that that's such an ambiguous thing. Don't you hate that when speakers are like give you these really ambiguous terms and you're like, "But well, what does that actually mean?" And for some of you, you're like, "Oh yeah, I get what that means." But others, you have to think about it. And so I was like, "What does that mean for me?" And for me, working the kingdom of god into my life is about obedience. It's about daily steps of obedience. Obedience to what the Lord is asking me to do, the way he's called me to live, the way he's called me to speak, the way he's called me to act, being obedient to who he has called me to be in the big and the small ways of my life. And I don't know about you, But I think the small steps of obedience in our life are often harder than the big steps of obedience in our life. Because those big steps of obedience, God asks you to do something big. He asks you to give money to someone, or he asks you to serve somewhere that makes you uncomfortable, or he asks you to speak encouragement to someone's life that you don't know very well. Those are scary, and they're hard, but you sense and you know, and there's a moment. I am called to do this. So you take a deep breath, you pray and ask for courage, and then you go and do that thing. Those are hard, But I think they're a bit easier than those everyday remembering to uh, speak with kindness, remembering to, um, to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, to spend time in His Word, the everyday acts of our life that point us back to Jesus, that make us more like Christ. Sometimes those are the harder things to do, but I find that those are the yeast in our lives that doubles and grows. As we are obedient in the small things our faith doubles, our faith rises, and it creates permanent change in who we are, making us more like Christ. I don't know if you know this about yeast, but it needs a warm, and I'm gonna use a word that nobody likes, moist environment to grow. I don't know if that's why my yeast failed. I thought I did a really great job. I, I did all the things. Anyways, it doesn't matter, I'm still sad about it. Uh, but it needs the right environment to grow. And effectively, so does the kingdom of God need a right environment in our hearts and lives to grow. Our ongoing obedience and faithfulness to the kingdom, I believe, helps create that right environment for our faith to grow and to double. A little obedience creates a big change, just like a little bit of yeast creates a big change. From our... Outward actions of obedience; the inward work of the, the Holy Spirit works inwardly in our lives. The words of Jesus in Luke 6:45 tell us, "A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of." And I wrote this message for the beginning of July, I think, when we uh, had no water and had to move to Brayside. Uh, and this verse, "A good man," brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. It came back to me even this week when the bell line went down one more time or they didn't show up when they said they were going to or when the internet went down. I went home and I looked at my husband and I was like... And I had to remind myself that out of the good things in your heart, that is what comes out in those small moments of obedience in those moments of frustration when things aren't going your way and those moments when you just want to strangle somebody, in those moments when you choose life when you choose death or when you choose death to your own desires and you choose to respond the way Jesus would have you respond, that creates the right environment for your faith to grow. In our Bible reading plan uh, several weeks ago, I was listening and walking and I heard the story of King Reboam. He was the king that served after Solomon in the Old Testament. So after King Solomon had died, uh, who, who served God, mostly. His son took over, and he did not follow the ways of the Lord, not even a little bit. And in 2 Chronicles 12, 14, it says, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. And that stopped me in my tracks when I was walking. He did evil because he did not set his heart on the Lord. He didn't do evil because someone influenced him. He didn't do evil because, you know, he didn't want to be good. He did evil because he didn't, set his heart on the Lord. And I was like, Jesus, I want to set my heart on the Lord every day so that I create that environment that my faith can grow and double, that I'm dwelling on you, that I'm thinking of you, that I'm making you forefront in my mind every single day. When in the right environment, yeast grows and it multiplies and it creates change. And that is true of the faith in our lives. Those of you that are bakers out there, do you know what kills yeast? Anybody? No? I feel like you're just too shy. Salt. Salt kills yeast. Have you heard this? Salt kills yeast. You actually do add salt to recipes with yeast, but it's not that salt kills it entirely, it's that it slows down its growth rate. So, too much salt will kill your yeast, but even just a little bit will slow down its ability to grow to its full potential. I don't know if that hits you the way that it hit me, but you can create an environment that doesn't allow yeast, that doesn't allow faith to grow in your life. Salt doesn't kill yeast entirely unless there's too much of it, but it slows down its growth rate. The things that we work into our lives outside of God won't necessarily kill your faith in one fell swoop, but slowly, Over time, it slows down your ability to hear from God. It slows down your ability to sense His Holy Spirit. It slows down your desire to be in His Word, your desire to come to church, your desire to spend time with other believers. The things that we let into our lives that don't honor God won't necessarily kill your faith overnight, but over time, they will slow it and eventually kill it. You can still function but it's not the same. Ongoing exposure to continual worry, continual fear, inappropriate music, inappropriate TV shows, media, pornography, gossip, hate, uh, judgment, feelings of superiority, whatever it is in your life, because we all have them. Ongoing allowance for that to stay unchecked will create an environment where your faith won't grow. Change happens over time, for better, or for worse. And if you continue to allow things in your life that are not honoring God, it will stop the ability for for your faith to grow. Yeast grows best when it's warm and cozy. We grow best when we set our minds on Christ. Baking bread is a process. When given the right conditions, you lift your thing out of the oven and ah, you have beautiful bread. When you don't do it right, It doesn't rise, or you cook it too long and it turns rock hard, or you don't oil the pan properly and you can't get it out. There's so many things. But when you do it properly, you create permanent change. God wants us to be irreversibly changed, to be more like Christ every single day. There are a lot of elements to this very small parable. To me, the first one is that yeast grows in the right environment, and we need to make sure our hearts are creating the right environment for our faith to grow. Two, we need to understand that the kingdom of God is like this yeast. A small beginning creates massive, permanent change. When this um, parable was shared, there were 11, 12 disciples. Jesus was talking to the 11 people that would go out and change the world through the work of the Holy Spirit. There was a handful of followers and 11 men that Jesus was sharing this message with. And from this small group and the work of the Holy Spirit, the gospel message would spread throughout the world. There's a twin or a sister parable that you might be familiar with about uh, mustard seed. It's in Matthew 13 as well. And it says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Using these twin parables, Jesus is teaching that small amounts of faith create massive change. From a small mustard seed, you get a massive tree that birds can plant, plant, not plant, land in its branches and sit. From a small amount of yeast, you can make an entire loaf of bread and create a permanent chemical change in those um, ingredients. These parables remind me that if I have just enough faith for that thing that God put in front of me, that's enough. I don't have to have faith to move the mountain if God put a molehill in front of me. I need to have faith for what God has put in front of you. If he's put the mountain in front of me, I need to have faith that God can move it because I know that he can. But if God has put a small thing in front of you, it's okay if you have a small amount of faith because when God moves the molehill, your faith will grow. So then when he brings the bigger hill and he moves that, your faith will grow. So then the next thing you know, you're standing in front of the mountain. You didn't get there overnight you got there over small consistent believing in faith that God could move this small thing and then he moved this bigger thing and now there is this huge thing in my life but he has proven faithful all this time so I know he can move it it's through small steps of faith that we build ourselves into big things of faith God doesn't expect you I mean there are times when he gives you a gift of faith and you operate in that that is true but I think sometimes He's just wanting us to be faithful in this moment so that he can move us to this next moment because he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And he doesn't want us to stay here only believing for the molehill. He wants us to get to the point where we can believe for that mountain to move. And I believe that comes through obedience to him. Sometimes I wonder if the disciples ever felt impatient. Do you wonder that? They were with Jesus, they saw him, they saw his death, they saw his resurrection. They were there in Acts and saw and experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if they ever thought, you can do all of this. Can't you just spread the world? Can't you just tell everybody about you? Do you actually need me? Can't we just pray and you'll tell the entire world about me, about you and then get saved? And do you need me? Why, are, why is this so hard? Why is this taking so long? And I feel like maybe we're like that sometimes. <laughs> We expect dramatic answers to our prayer immediately, and sometimes God does that. And sometimes it's a slow process, like bread rising. Sometimes the results come years later from your faithfulness continually over many years. It, sometimes our faith is a long, uh, long o- slow obedience, and no, I messed it up. <laughs> it's a uh, following Jesus in the same direction for a long time. Our walk in the kingdom of heaven can be like the process of bread rising along obedience in the same direction. We are faithful to the small amounts of faith in our heart, trusting God to multiply them, to double them, to grow them. If we had seen my video, you would have seen uh, Yeast exploding out of an oven because they added too much, because it had grown. That is what our faith in our hearts do. A small amount of faith that you pray into, that you ask Jesus to multiply, that you create the right environment for it to grow, it will explode out of you so that you can believe God for whatever he is calling you to next. A small amount of faith in Jesus will multiply and grow over time. You don't need to have faith for the mountain if it's only a molehill in front of you. God will give you the faith you need for what he has put in front of you. And the third thing for me in this parable is the kingdom of God is still growing. It hasn't stopped since those 11 disciples began to spread the gospel message. If you keep feeding yeast, kind of, I'm using this yeast metaphor loosely, the bakers in the room, please don't judge me too harshly for the things I'm getting wrong. I'm, I'm using it loosely here. But yeast keeps growing. If you keep feeding it, if you keep giving it the right environment, it will keep growing. The kingdom of God is still growing. It is still expanding. It hasn't stopped since the 2,000 years that Jesus walked on the earth. If we continue to believe, he is continuing to spread his kingdom by having people welcome Jesus into their hearts and lives. In most bread recipes that I've used you do like a couple rises. So the dough rises, you punch it down, it rises again, you punch it down, then you form it, then you let it rise like for 30 minutes one more time and then you go ahead and bake it. During the first rise, you get fermentation and heat is building up. It's creating those gas bubbles, it's making the yeast grow which expands your bread. Um, And you get You get like yeast cells that get like clustered together and they build up alcohol and carbon dioxide and and you you punch them down, not because it's fun, although it is. You punch them down because you need to break that up so it can spread out so that it can then rise again. Punching down or stirring your dough, um, it refreshes the environment so that the yeast can then grow more. It's evening out all of the hot spots so that it is evenly distributed so that you create a better loaf of bread. You punch it down because the yeast cells will multiply into other clusters so that your bread grows. Do you see the parallels to the kingdom of God? With a fresh start, the yeast is better able to uh, aerate and grow and rise. Sometimes in our lives, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to punch some things down in our lives. Because... Not because he's mad at us or not because he hates us. No, no, he's for you. He loves you. He's going to press some things down in your life, spread some things out, address some issues, and you know what happens? You're going to rise up healthier, stronger. You're going to be a better loaf of bread than you would have been if you hadn't asked God to punch you down, to work those things out, to do those things in your life. There are so many parallels between yeast and Jesus and bread. I'm exploding, and I'm going to try to rein it all in. I'm going to try real hard. Maybe the Holy Spirit... Is punching some things down in your life and pointing out some things and saying, we need to address this because I want to do this in your life and you need to work on that first and you're not healthy, so I need you to get healthy so that I can do this. And if we do it, we're going to keep growing into healthy loaves of bread. I might have taken this too far, I admit that, but it's okay, I'm all right with it. Jesus was talking to a handful of people when he spoke this message that would go out and change the world through the work of the Holy Spirit. He was calling a few people to do a huge job. From small things come big results. It would have been easy for the disciples to be like, you know what, we're gonna need a few more people. This is clearly not enough. I don't know if you understand what you asked us to do, but we can't do it. And I don't know if this is what they did, but I think this is what they did. I think they focused on who God was instead of who they weren't. And I think that's key for us in creating an environment where the Holy Spirit can grow in our lives. You need to not focus on who you're not. You need to focus on who God is because he has called you, he has enabled you, he has anointed you, he has planted you, and he wants to use you and he's gonna pinpoint things in your life and punch them down so that you can grow from a small amount of faith to a huge amount of faith. I always think when Jesus was speaking this message, he knew that Acts was coming and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was coming. He knew what was coming. The disciples didn't know what was coming, but he knew that he didn't just call them He anointed them. He gave them what they needed. Jesus doesn't ever call you and leave you on your own. He gifts you for what he has called you to do. So allow him to work out the things in your life so that he can gift you to what's next. Because I promise you, follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus in this room, he has called you to something next. Where you are is not where you're going to stay and it's not where you're called to be. It's where you are right now but there is something more for you. You are called to something next. Like the small amount of yeast, that day that you accepted Jesus, it was a small amount of yeast that you allowed to work into your heart. And over time, as you have followed Jesus, as you have asked him to work things out in your life to become more like him, he's changing you he's multiplying your faith and he is calling you to what's next but it doesn't ever stop if you took your yeast your sourdough starter and you left it on the counter and you didn't feed it and you didn't change it it would turn into sludge and it actually would poison you probably if you made bread with it it would turn into sludge and it would be unusable and you would have to throw it in the garbage the parallels are unending if you take your faith and you don't do anything with it it's going to turn into sludge it needs to be fed It needs to be nurtured and you need to allow the Holy Spirit free access into your life. Thank you for indulging me with all of my bread references today. It's not an accident that he used yeast to explain the kingdom of God because the parallels are all there. Yeast needs the right environment to grow. What's the condition of your heart? A small amount of yeast does a big job. What are you believing God for so that he can multiply your faith? And yeast keeps growing. The kingdom of God wants to continue to spread in your life and in the lives of those that don't know him yet.